0: I am so happy that we can be together again. I love it when we come together as the Christ Journey family. In our physical campuses right here in South Florida, at Gables and Kindle, or whether you're joining us across the nation around the world through Church Online, we welcome you today and we ask God's blessing as we continue our series, Arrows. And today's title is Pierced. You know, when you work with arrows, that's part of the risk. And today, though many of us know Mary, the mother of Jesus by name, we're going to take a closer look. Something I've learned as a parent, something she knew as a parent, and I know I'm not alone, we're not alone in this, is that parenting is a roller coaster ride. Of emotion. Mary's no stranger to that. She knows about the ecstasies of incredible joy and then the agonies of hurt and heartache that seem to come from out of nowhere. Every parent, every child, every family knows something about this. Moments of celebration that wind up on the refrigerator door, Photographs and report cards and special recognition and artwork. Trophy moments, you know, that we shout out to the world with bumper stickers on our car. My child is an honor student. Or you celebrate when they become team captain or art show winner or lead in the school musical. When our daughters won scholarships. To their colleges, respective universities. You know, we were like loud and proud parents in a humble Christian sort of way, of course, the same way you are with your kids. But what about when things, when they don't turn out the way you'd hoped? I mean, what about when heartaches uh, come to a relationship or misunderstandings or health issues blindside you? What then? Family can be hard. And what a strange roller coaster ride of emotion, family is. Mary and Joseph, as new parents, were riding that same roller coaster, even one day in the temple. They were with their first newborn son. He's barely 40 days old when one of the devout leaders that's there worshiping is moved by God to go to Mary, take the baby Jesus in his arms, and pronounce this amazing word of gratitude over him to God for his gift of salvation for all people. Incredible. And then he turns Simeon is his name he turns to Joseph and Mary with some special words of blessing for them only to conclude with a with a word straight to Mary There's trouble ahead and I see your soul pierced Actually here's what he says Luke 2:34 This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against and the thoughts of many will be revealed And as if that weren't heavy enough on our new young mother, he closes with these words A sword will pierce your own soul too. A sword will pierce your soul, almost an afterthought. The first note of sorrow in the Gospel of Luke, and I'm thinking, you know what? If having a perfect son means you're going to be pierced, then what about all of us not so perfect ones? Pierced. You've felt it, haven't you? It's not unfamiliar in family life, souls being pierced. I know in my growing up, I broke my mother's heart plenty of times. I know I neglected my little sister. I know I offended my little brother. And I know I gave my dad plenty of reason to be angry with me repeatedly, right? They were pierced because of me. Now, you know, we had lots of joy along the way, but there were piercings included. Your family's had them too. Unexpected pains. Some happen on purpose. When divorce or rebellion invades a home or when you've been abandoned or betrayed or abused, God forbid. Sometimes we are pierced by accident through the attitudes or actions or words of another we get hurt. We hurt people. We don't really mean to, but but it happens perhaps because we, we don't understand or we're not mature enough to know any better at the time. And then some piercings are beyond our control, like infertility or miscarriages, or job loss, or untimely death. And then some come by the will of God. Obeying God can mean pain. Simeon says, you know, parenting, even when done well and right, involves pain. And you think about it, parenting I heard was just one long series of goodbyes from that first day at class to that day she's walking down the aisle. The piercing pains, a sword will pierce your soul. Simeon tells Mary that her parenting in the will of God will involve pain. Now, the word soul here is psyche, from which we get psychology, which refers to your emotional life. She's going to have emotional pain. She's going to get her feelings hurt. People today try to avoid that, right? We only want our feelings to feel good. We want pleasure, not pain, but God is telling Mary and telling us that doing family with Jesus is going to involve pain being pierced. Even Jesus, as a man, said this to his followers, would-be followers. If you follow me, you got to take up your cross and follow me. So what I want to do is just paint a picture of some of Mary's journey with Jesus, beginning with that strange visit and even stranger announcement that she received from an angel where God's plan for her, she was told, meant that as a virgin, she would conceive and bear a son and saying yes to that plan had already cost her her reputation, and it almost cost her her fiancé and husband. Was that piercing to her soul? God brings Joseph up to speed on the plan, Matthew chapter 1. They get married, but the next thing we're told that they do together is travel 80 miles to go pay taxes. Don't we all love to pay taxes? But they did to an oppressive government, the Romans. That trip would have taken four eight-hour days if you're walking. Now, if you're wondering, didn't she ride a donkey? Listen, donkeys are owned by people who can afford them, not poor construction workers like Joseph. And by the way, there is no record in the Bible that Mary ever rode a donkey. That comes from artist renditions. She most likely made an 80-mile walk in her last trimester of pregnancy. And and then she gives birth in a barn where dirty shepherds feel right at home. And a few weeks after delivering, now she goes to the temple for Jesus' circumcision and for his consecration, for her purification, which meant another three-hour walk from Bethlehem to Jerusalem for our new mom. Where, by the way, she would hear these famous last words that Simeon gave, a sword will pierce your soul. What did that feel like? And how many times in her life did she hear those words echo in her soul? When she left temple that day, what was she thinking? So what's next? (laughs) I mean, when is the other shoe gonna drop, right? Was she thinking that the night that Joseph stirred her in the middle of the night after a dream and he said, we've got to start the 400 mile trek to Egypt to that cave in old Cairo where it's believed they first stayed. Matthew 2.13 says they had to go to escape Herod's massacre of Bethlehem's little boys. That 400-mile trip, even 400 miles at 20 miles a day, is 20 days of walking, the normal mode of travel for the poor. And by the way, summer's heat can reach up to 120 degrees Fahrenheit in that desert. In the winter, it snows, and they're walking this journey. But once in Egypt, now Mary is a stranger in a strange land. She's far from family. She's far from her hometown. And now she's surrounded by people who speak a totally different language. Did she wonder then, is this part of the pierced? In her pain of separation from family and the familiar, is this the sword? What about years later, When an almost teenage Jesus gets lost in Jerusalem to them, they don't know where he is. I remember some one time when I suddenly realized we were in Santa Fe and Jess, our youngest daughter, was suddenly, we realized she's not with our group. We'd been with a group. She was supposed to stay with her friends. She was supposed to stay with a group. And and suddenly we look around. I'm frantic. I couldn't see her. I was seized with fear. I ran back to the place where we just were inside this little store. And there she is holding hands with the store owner. You know what? Instead of staying with the group, instead of staying with her friends, she got distracted by the candy counter and... That's where she was. I'm telling you, she was as happy, maybe more so than I, when I saw her. And she ran to me and she wrapped her little arms just so tightly around me. I can feel it even now. The feeling of, ah, relief and safety. Well, when Mary, after three days, mine might've been three minutes, three days of searching, she finally finds Jesus in the temple. Luke chapter two, verse 48. She says, son, why have you treated us like this? And he chides her for not understanding that he had to be about his father's business. How did that feel? Did Mary think, what was that? Was that 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 sword of piercing coming from my own son's lips? Did she think about the sword the day that his hometown rejected him. Uh, The scripture says that they literally drove him out of town and threatened to throw him down a cliff in Luke chapter 4. How about the day when she asked him to help at a wedding? And his response to that in John chapter 2 was, woman, why do you involve me? How about the day in John 7 when his brothers are mocking him about making it big in religion? And verse 5 says this, even his own brothers didn't believe in him. How did Mary feel the day the sword pierced their home like that? And what about the time when she and her other sons show up at Jesus' ministry? He's he's ministering, but people are saying things. When they walk up, they're saying things like this. He's out of his mind. He's demon-possessed. And then when the word gets to Jesus that his mother and brothers are looking for him, what does Jesus say? Check this out. Who are my mother and brothers? Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, my mother, Mark 3.35. Pierced? Or maybe the day Mary is standing, literally at the foot of a criminal's cross, a Roman executioner's rack, and her son is stripped and beaten and bloody, brutalized from the crucifixion that had come to him by the very ones he had come to save. that's when the sword pierced deepest, don't you think? Parenting arrows means piercing pain. So what are we supposed to do with the pains of parenting? I mean, the ones we receive as parents, the ones that we receive from our parents, the ones that we receive from our kids as a fellow struggler I want to share some hope that I find in God's word. Here's the first word. We can learn that pain is normal. Pain is normal. Even in the, the best families have hurts and heartaches, pains and piercings. If you've got them in yours, you're not abnormal. You're not dysfunctional. Welcome to the human race. Or maybe we should say it this way. We're all dysfunctional and dysfunction is our default setting as human beings. And so when it shows up in pain, what can we do? Well, let's just acknowledge pain is normal. And then, you know, what we try to do at our house is keep the fun and dysfunction, right? Jesus said that we don't have to get stuck there. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, take heart. I've overcome the world. We don't have to stay stuck in our pain. Second lesson, our wounds can teach us. Our wounds can teach us. Did you know there are three ways that you can respond to pain? You can run from it. You can rebel against it. Or you can redeem it and let God's grace make it into something even greater. We've all got pain. Every family does. What are you doing with yours? Well, I can tell you, some of us are running from our pain right now. Conflict avoidance. You know? <laughs> we don't talk about it. We don't deal with it. We just stuff it down. We fake it on the outside. We pretend that it doesn't bother us, but it's not working. It doesn't work. There's no healing in it. You know why? Because there's no real coping with it. There's only copping out in avoidance. And this leads to resentment and bitterness and unresolved victim issues, you know, but still some of us just avoid it. We just run. We, some abandon ship. You know, when things get tough, avoiders get out. Boss is tough. They look for a new job. School gets tough. They quit. Relationship gets tough. Then they get out, go try to find a new relationship. That's what running looks like. Sometimes people run to self-medicate, turn to some kind of substance or some habit, but running is an option. Some people rebel. You can rebel against it. You can act out. You explode in anger. You know, you power up, and, and others turn to passive aggression. It's a little more sneaky and seems to give you some control without as much risk, but again, you know what? No healing there. No healing. Mary's story shows us the third option. You can redeem pain by grace and turn it into something greater. This may be a game changer for you, but here's the point. To redeem pain, you let God meet you at the wound and make it something greater. To redeem pain, you let God meet you at the wound and then make it something greater. Greater what, greater spiritual depth, greater emotional maturity. Now depth comes as you bring your pains to God. And a great story illustrating this in the Old Testament is in Genesis chapter 32, that's the story of Jacob. Jacob, Jacob's in trouble, you know why? because he'd pierced his daddy and his brother. I mean, he had cheated and stolen from his brother Esau, and he had deceived and lied to his daddy Isaac. He had pierced them really good, and now he's up in the middle of the night wrestling with God about the mess that he's made in his family. He's desperate, and he tells God, I can't let you go until I get an answer here. I want a blessing, and you know what God does? You know what God gives him? Gives him a wound. He'll never walk the same again. But the blessing is there too. The blessing is in it. God gives Jacob a new name, Israel, that day. And God meets him at the wound and makes it into something greater to redeem pain. Remember, Let God meet you at your wound and make it something greater. Now, fast forward to Thomas, one of the disciples of Jesus in the New Testament. After the resurrection, now here we're going to see another way of that redeeming grace can change pain again. Thomas is hurting. Thomas is deeply wounded. He's eaten up with doubt about Jesus. He feels betrayed. He feels abandoned. Like, I'll never trust again. You ever felt like that? And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes Thomas and Thomas's wounds into his own, into his own scars. Have you ever let Jesus do that with you? Hold your hurts and your woundedness in his own scars. Here's what Jesus says. Put your finger, put your finger here. Uh, see, see my hands? Reach out your hand and and. Put it into my side. Meet me at the wound is what Jesus is saying, isn't it? Now stop doubting and believe. Jesus meets him at the wound and then he makes it something greater. Greater spiritual depth comes as we bring our pain to God and start trusting again. And greater emotional maturity comes as we stay connected with family. For Jacob, it was biological family. For Thomas, it was spiritual family, his men's group. His discipleship group, men, are you in a group? Man, the groups I'm in sure help me with this. For Jacob, in both cases, for Jacob and for Thomas, their self-awareness and their personal growth was enhanced because of family connections, biological family and spiritual family. And we stay emotionally we grow emotionally, let me say it that way, as we stay connected with others transparently. Now, Jesus' brother James, who mocked him when he was younger, writes this about him after the resurrection, James chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what he'd learned. Confess your faults to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. Healing comes. Through transparency and confession. And transparency and confession not only to God, but also to others. That's where transparency happens. In a group environment of grace and truth where others can help. Listen, we all have hurts, but others can help us see that our hurts don't have to have us. This is how it happens. God redeems pain as we stay connected in community. So our wounds teach us what? To bring our pains to God and stay connected in transparent community and then let mercy do its work through forgiveness. It's through forgiveness that mercy can free us from the poison of resentment and grudge bearing from that toxic self-pity of bitterness and anger and rage. And I'm telling you, if God can free you up from rage, then you're gonna find some healing from your depression as well. Emotional growth happens as we become aware of our emotions without being hijacked by them. And it happens as we respond to disappointment with faith, hope, and love. As we pray, as Jesus taught us, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then as we do that, you know what happens? We learn to trust. We learn how to trust through the piercing and the pain just as Jacob did, Thomas did, and Mary did. What are we trusting? Well, we're trusting God's sovereignty. That's one thing. God is bigger than our pain. We're trusting God's character. God is good. And God is at work. We're trusting God's activity in the piercing. God is at work in the piercing. And in spite of the piercing, God is working to bring a good ending, a happy ending, no matter how it feels right now. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that in all things, God works works to the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose now i don't know your piercings and your pains but here's what i do know that even the best families have them even the best families have hurts we all get dinged we all step on each other's air hoses from time to time every marriage and every family faces misunderstandings and failed expectations. You know, the challenge of unmet and unspoken expectations. But I also know this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm thirty four eighteen. And look at this. If my father and my mother forsake me, if my parents blew it, God will take me up. Psalm 27, 10. So whatever your pain, listen, your story's not over yet. God is at work. You can redeem that pain. How? Let God meet you at the wound and then make something greater. At the father wound. At the sibling wound. At the wound of a hurtful mother. At the wound of a rebellious child. How can you redeem your pain? Well, listen. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities, our going astray. And by his wounds, we are healed. You can bring your hurts to Jesus. Bring your hurts to Jesus today. Stay connected in community right now and apply the medicine of mercy and forgiveness. First, apply it to that raw hurt that you feel in your soul and then take it home and apply it at home. They say this, hurt people, hurt people. You know what we're learning right here? That people who are healing see hurts transformed. Hurt doesn't have the last word. Your piercings can be places of divine healing and transformation. So the challenge is great. Don't run from your pain. That just feels like abandonment to others. Don't rebel against your pain, merely rebel. That just adds more hurt. Instead, ask God today to start redeeming it and to do in you what he did in Mary, in Jacob, and in Thomas. He's still doing it. We're all works in progress. We all make mistakes on each other, but God is bigger, and God can transform it. Communion, the centerpiece of our worship, tells us that even the greatest pain can be redeemed into something greater if you let God meet you at the wound, you can taste and see right now. Shall we pray? Gracious heavenly father, we thank you for how you have taken our pain into your wounds as you came to us through your son and that by his stripes, by his wounds, we find healing. So we bring all of our pains right now. We just open our hands to Touch your nail-scarred hands, and we release the toxicity of the resentment and the poison of pride that has tried to steal our healing. And we invite you to have your way in it right now. We pray for each one of our relationships, for every family, for every child, for every parent, for every extended family member that we're hurt has brought pain that right now we would welcome your healing to bring new possibility. Thank you for what communion means and that you desire for us to share oneness with you. If you're listening to me today and would like to begin your journey with Christ personally, then here's a prayer you can offer. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. I am turning from my way to walk with you and go your way. So have your way in me and begin today to make me the person you would have me be as I pray in your name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me as our heads are still bowed and our eyes are closed, if you would let me ask God's blessing upon the next steps of faith that you take from this point, would you simply just raise your hand and keep it held up for just a moment? And uh, if you're joining us online, there's an orange banner right there on the screen that you can click on right now. We're praying for you as well. Lord Jesus, for every person in every place who by uplifted hand is saying that our hearts are open to you, We pray that now the healing mercy of your grace and forgiveness would pour into every life and that new hope and joy and peace will rise as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.